Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast, where we dive into the timeless truths of Scripture and explore how they intersect with our lives today. After the message, you'll hear more about the Brookwood production team for this week's Ministry Spotlight. In today's episode, we journey further into our series, Jesus at the Center of Transformation. Get ready to be inspired as we unpack a message titled, Transformed by a Word. We'll witness the profound impact Jesus had on a man's life through the power of a spoken word. So grab your coffee, find a comfortable spot, and prepare your heart to be stirred as we dive into this powerful message. Let's explore together how the words of Jesus have the power to transform us from the inside out. Here's our executive pastor, J.C. Thompson. Amen, amen. How are you? Good. Y'all are singing this morning. Come on. I I told you before, I'll tell you again. You sing, preaching gets better. So I'm, I'm thankful to be here. Hey, my name's JC. I'm one of the pastors here. We are continuing our series entitled Jesus at the Center of Transformation. Uh, we are in our second week. We are traveling through the seven signs in the Gospel of John, and so we're talking about our s- second sign today uh, in John chapter 4. Today, we are going to be talking about a word that I'm sure you've used, and I'm sure you've talked about, and that word is trust. Trust. Now, I want to ask you, what do you think that word trust means? What do you think it means? Pop quiz. Anybody. But if you're going to say it, say it loud. Belief. I heard belief. What else? Faith, yes. Confidence, right? Respect, integrity. That's good. That's good. Reassurance. That's good. All right. Let me tell you what Merriam-Webster defines trust as. Most of the words that y'all said. An assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. So I wanted to try and give you a couple pictures of how I think we apply our trust. First of all, I want you to see this. Now, maybe not all of you apply your trust in this way, but, but that person is applying their trust on that little tiny rope right there. They're tight roping over the Niagara Falls. There's also this, which many of you do all the time, that gorgeous bridge right there. You are placing your trust in that bridge to hold you and all of the other vehicles traveling on that bridge so you don't come crashing into the sea. And while I think these are very accurate pictures of trust, oftentimes when you Google or search for what's an example that we can do to illustrate trust, this is the picture that comes up. A trust fall. Now, I'm not a huge fan of trust falls, uh, but I will tell you, uh, falling back into a large group of people who all uh, will be publicly embarrassed if they drop you is probably not extending a great amount of trust, but it is extending some. And while I think each of these pictures makes sense with the definition of trust, I think that you can understand that each of them probably has varying levels of the amount of trust required. Have you ever had to trust someone in your life without having any prior evidence to whether they are trustworthy or not? 
What if you didn't know the person's character or you had to trust in something deeper or perhaps less sure than what you would normally use to trust someone? Today's story is an example of that very thing. So let's check out the second sign in the Gospel of John, and we will see a man who is transformed by a word, transformed by a word. If you got your outline, I want you to see three things from today's passage. The first one is just this, burden beckons belief, burden beckons belief. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus heads back to the place where he had done the first sign in the Gospel of John where he had performed the miracle of turning water into wine. As he returns, there is a royal official whose son is very sick. Now, I think it's necessary for us to kind of see what's going around in the story that John is putting together for readers in order to understand exactly what Jesus is trying to communicate here in the statement he makes to this man. So, a couple verses before that, you'll see this. Jesus went to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. Now, John gives us this small tidbit that Jesus himself had said that a prophet is not welcome in their own hometown. Yet these people welcomed him. But the question is, why? Why did they welcome him? And the Scripture says, because they had seen everything He did there. They recognized He could do miracles. Now, I want to pause here, because if you go back to the passage from last week where Jesus turned the water into wine, did everyone who was a part of the wedding actually see what Jesus did? No. In fact, most of the people who benefited from the miracle did not see what Jesus did. There were two groups of people, one who was a a person, the mother of Jesus, and then the other group of people who saw what Jesus did were who? The servants. They participated in Jesus' miracle and got to experience it in full. They saw everything. Well, what did? What did the people see? Well, they saw what the master of ceremonies saw, that normally The worst wine is served at the end when everybody's a little tipsy, and their uh, palate is not as sharp as it would have been previously. But what the master of ceremony said was, nobody saves the best for last. This is amazing. This is incredible. And so while they got to see everything that he had done, they didn't fully see how he had done it. And I think it's important for us to understand this because they are experiencing the result of Christ's miraculous power, but they're not experiencing any of the burden, any of the problem before the miracle. 
So Jesus, after this man makes his request, Jesus responds in this way. He says, Jesus asked him, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. Now, I, I share that with you because I think it's important that we understand while Jesus is responding to this man's request, he's also talking to the crowd. How do we know that? Well, the Greek word for you there is plural. Basically, Jesus is saying y'all, okay, uh, in our vernacular. Jesus is not just speaking to the man. He's speaking to the entire crowd of Galileans, But I think that John wants us to see what Jesus was truly getting at, because right before Jesus does this miracle, he had been in another place called Samaria, and he was dealing with the people called the Samaritans. And we see this insight from John's writing. He says this, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Now you can see that they believe based on the testimony of a woman who was scared to show her face in public. She had traveled to the well so that no one would interact with her because people would be busy during the day. And she had lived a life. She had a story. And Jesus told her not only the portion that she was willing to share with him, but also the portion she was not as willing to share with him. And she came away changed from that interaction. And the village that she was a part of did not need to see Jesus perform a miracle because they had heard the testimony of a changed life. So they asked Jesus to stay and tell them more. And so he did. And they believed apart from a miraculous event. They believed in his person and his word. So in verse 42, we see exactly what they state they believe, that he is indeed the Savior of the world. That's a pretty clear call, a profession of faith. They are recognizing he's not a magician, he's not a great teacher, he is the Messiah. He has come to save us from our sins. Now, parents, I want to talk to you real quick, okay? Lean in for me for a second. Do your children believe what you are going to do based solely on your words, or must your words have an accompaniment of signs and wonders? Be honest. Be honest. Do they trust your words, or do they need a little extra? Now, I want to challenge you parents, when you think about your children, Do you believe their words? Must they also have their words accompanied by signs and wonders? You know, we do this every day in our interactions with people. They share words, and based on our experiences with them, we either trust what they have to say 
or we go, ah, they're probably lying. Yet, this man who has come to Jesus has a real, legitimate burden for his son. And many of you in the room today also have a real, legitimate burden that you are coming with. I imagine for some of you, even walking in these doors today was difficult. Now, it may not be because of some years of burden and struggle with church hurt or the people inside of the church. It may have just been because you got into an argument with your spouse or your children on the way inside the doors. And it was a little bit more difficult today than it has been. For some of you, even praying to God because of this suffering or this burden that you carry with you is difficult. Some of us have even trusted and seen God do miraculous things in our life. But right now, at this moment in time, we are coming to Christ out of desperation and asking Him the question, can you be trusted? Can you be trusted? The psalmist records it in this way. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Christ can be trusted with our calamities. Christ hears our prayers when we are burdened. You'll often hear me say it this way, God's ears are open when we pray. We must approach God in faith without knowing the specifics of how He's going to answer. But we must know that He will rescue those who are His children. That is the essence of faith. Not knowing how it's going to work out, but trusting and believing what I know to be true, even when I can't see it. If you're burdened today, just know that God is giving you an opportunity to believe Him in a more deep and meaningful way. But it's just an opportunity. You will have to choose how to respond. We also see that belief comes before breakthrough. Belief comes before breakthrough. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Did this man approach Jesus in the right way? I don't think he did initially. In fact, what you'll see is him, uh, the identifier for this man is that he is a royal official. I think that his request is uh, kind of given in a way that lets you know he wants Jesus to come on his own terms. How do we know that? Because he asked Jesus to come to his house in order to heal his son. I don't think that this man fully knew, but I also don't think he was fully asking. I think he presumed on Jesus' character or the things that he's heard that Jesus is just going to do what I'm going to ask. You see that in Jesus' rebuke to not only the man, but the crowd. You just want me to do what you want me to do. You just want me to do miracles. You just want me to do signs. You just want me to do wonders. But I think it's important for us to understand that this word wonders is the only time it's ever used in the Gospels. 
is in this story. Signs were what Jesus called his miracles. Why did he call them signs? Because they were pointing to him as Messiah. They weren't just benevolent good deeds. He did them with a purpose so that people would recognize him as Jesus. We also need to understand that this is not the only time that someone has made a request of Jesus to heal someone who is not physically present with the person. In fact, check this uh, piece of Scripture out. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say this to my slaves, do this, they will do it. Notice the difference in approach to Jesus. He's asking him to heal, and then Jesus says, okay, I'm going to come and go heal. And he goes, oh, you don't have to do any of that. I'm not even worthy for you to do that. You just say it and it's done. In fact, Jesus' response to that man was amaze, amazement, the Scriptures say. He said, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. He was shocked by this man's response to Jesus' words. And I want you to understand something. There's one small word in these two stories that I think separates not just the Samaritans and the Galileans, but this man who asked Jesus, you don't have to come, and this man who placed a stronger demand on Jesus' time and effort. And it's this one word, Lord. Lord, recognition of who Jesus is. Now, I want to be clear with you. This man was desperate. But I want you to understand for us in our approach to God that desperation and demand are not the same thing. I'm going to say that again. Desperation and demand are not the same thing. You can be desperate and still not demand something from God. Desperation is brought on by trials and suffering. Demand is brought on by pride. And so this man heard the rebuke of Christ. He pleaded with him, but Jesus did not bow to his request. He did not leave that place. He did not go to that man's home. Yet, in the midst of not doing things the way that the man had asked him to, Jesus still showed compassion towards him. Have you ever approached Christ in this way, so desperate for an outcome to this burden that you have, you throw everything you know out the window to just ask Christ to do something? See, I think some of you might be approaching Christ in the same way. You know Christ. You know what the Word says about Him. You know what other people have shared about Him. But rather than approach Him in humility, you may be approaching Him in pride. Maybe because of your suffering or your trial that you're going through and your desperation, maybe you're angry. Maybe you've struggled with disappointment. But you've heard about what Jesus is doing in other people's lives around you, and so you want Him to do it the same way that he's doing it for somebody else. You want his blessing, but you might not want to surrender. 
you may want the miracle, but not all the things that come from surrendering your life to Christ. I must help you understand one thing. Jesus does things His way. Jesus does things His way. In fact, He says this in the book of John. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Does that sound like he's interested in your suggestions about things? And yet, that does not mean he lacks compassion for your burden. Jesus is and always has been God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life that trumps your plan and purpose. Yet, we often ask God to bend to our plan and purpose. And I think that there was a small part of this man that was no different. Now, I think some of you, when I say things like that, you just immediately throw up a wall. You just go, well, isn't Jesus being insensitive to this man's need here? His son's about to die. This is a desperate father reaching out to Jesus to heal his son. And sure, he may not get it all, but like, Can't he just do it the way that the man asked? That's up to Jesus. It's not up to us. In fact, it's another picture of this word that we're talking about today, trust. Do you trust that his plan is greater than yours? Do you trust that in the midst of him maybe saying no, he knows what's best? But Jesus told this man, go back home, your son will live. Is Jesus a ruthless prophet with no time for little sick boys? No. Jesus' character and disposition towards us is compassion and love. But he's not a magician doing tricks for everybody's enjoyment. I also think that Jesus is showing what is primary to him and to the crowd. I think Jesus is saying, your faith matters more to me than these miracles. Your faith matters more to me than these miracles. So he presses in on this man's response. So while I don't think this man's approach to Jesus was fully correct, when Jesus rebuked him, I think he responded the right way. When Jesus rebuked him, he requested again, he begged Jesus, and then when Jesus spoke a word saying, go home and your son will live, he left immediately. Before he knew if Jesus had granted his son's healing, he left to go back home. This is faith. This is trust. Not based on a result, not based on the things you can see, based on Christ. Trusting in Christ and His character and His words. Hebrews 11:1 defines faith in this way. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Jesus, with only His word, healed His Son. He did a little bit of long-distance healing. 
But what I want you to just notice in this, as Jesus spoke the word, letting this man know, hey, you just go home, your son's going to be healed. This man had to trust Christ's word before he experienced belief and breakthrough. He had to take Jesus at his word. I think the same thing is true in our lives. We all want God to interact with us. We all want God to do the miraculous. We all want God to answer our prayers. But are you willing to trust Him with what He says to you before you see how He's going to work it all out? I know this has been true in my own life. In fact, I can tell you many times where I would look at someone and go, there is no way God can figure this out. Now, I know that's a crazy statement, but listen to me that's my faith. That's where I'm at at times. I'm seeing all these things. There's no way he can make all these things connect together. There would have to be a hundred million permutations of this particular thing. How in the world could he do that? And yet, he's God, and he does. I want you to write this down. Miracles follow the footsteps of faith. I want you to write this down. Please, please hear me say this. Miracles follow the footsteps of faith. This man went back home to see if Christ could be trusted. We also see in this story that there are blessings beyond the miracle. Blessings beyond the miracle. Could you just for a moment imagine being this father? You've probably run out of all your other options in town. You've went to all the doctors. You've tried all the, the home uh, uh, homeopathic methods, and your son still needs a miracle. And so you hear that this man Jesus is coming to town. So you leave your sick son with your servants to go request that Jesus would heal your son. One moment, he's begging a stranger who he had heard might have the ability to his son. The next moment, he left that man who told him his son would be healed, traveling back. What would you be feeling as you journey back to see your kid? Anger? I mean, surely this guy must have important things to do with this amount of power, but he couldn't fit in a couple moments to come back to my house and heal my son. He's just going to give me his word. Maybe despair that you've tried everything that you could think of and this was your last hope and he just told you to go home. He's just, he's just going to heal him with his word from long distance. Or maybe it's hope or as the Scriptures call it, faith, trust. This man said your son will live. And maybe it was the way that he said it or almost like he knew something that you didn't. He didn't say it desperately or out of anger, but almost as if he was stating a fact that you will come to understand. I believe that this was the man's response. Check out the rest of the story. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them, when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. 
and he as an, and his entire household believed in Jesus. I just want you to take a moment and recognize that when he sees his servants, even in that moment, you got to imagine, this guy's traveled a bit to talk to a guy he thinks might have healing for his son. And then when the servants say, your son is healed, his first response was not amazing, incredible, tears. It wasn't reception and joy. It wasn't a party. It was, tell me what time he got better. And why do you think that is? I think he was searching for something deeper even than his son's healing. Can this man really be who he says he is? And so when they say one o'clock, he's like, hot dog. (laughs) One o'clock? Are you serious? They're like, yeah. Now, I had some friends in town this weekend. Their son uh, is getting married, been here for years and moved back. One of the things that we would talk about as we were in groups together and talking about what God was doing in our lives, we would be praying for one another in this group all the time. And it would be crazy stuff. I mean, like, when I say crazy, like, you just have to be there, okay? But, like, you, you know, we'd be having an argument with somebody, and they'd be like, what time did that argument happen? Oh, I was praying about this, that you'd have breakthrough in this relationship. And you'd be like, I'm not sure I'm experiencing breakthrough yet. Oh, well, that's when I was praying. And you would start wanting to connect dots with each other's lives. Why? Because you're, you're hand in hand with God. You're working alongside Him. And you want to know and you want to see your life as a part of His plan. And so, I'll just be honest with you. I think when you pray... I love the fact that you write your prayers down, okay? I love that. But maybe just start writing the time that you pray those prayers. Maybe start writing the date. Because maybe when you start to look back at how God has answered your prayers, maybe you'll look back and go, and this phrase is a special phrase to me from my friend, it's almost as if it's orchestrated. God showing just a little bit extra of his plan to those who are paying attention. Our burdens, when they're transformed by Jesus, are not only beneficial to us, but they're also beneficial to other people as well. In fact, I want to give you three examples of how when God transforms you, it is a benefit to other people, and they're up on the screen. The first is that we become a different presence. We become a different presence. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says it this way, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. He also gives us passion. 3 John 4 says it this way, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. These weren't John's biological children. These were the people that he had invested his life into. And then lastly, power. Revelations 12, 11 says this, 
and they have defeated him, that would be Satan, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ and by their testimony. And they did not love their life so much that they were afraid to die. These three verses give us an example of the blessings that you get to participate in when God transforms you to share that benefit with other people. Now, I want to give you a picture of this. When I go on vacation, I am always looking for one dessert. It is the picture of extravagance to me. It's a banana split. Everywhere I go, it is literally the first thing on my agenda. I've got to find the place in town that has the most incredible banana split. Now, I can make a banana split at home, but there's something about going on vacation that puts my body and my mind and my heart into the right spot. And the banana split is the clearest picture of utter extravagance to me. It's not just one scoop of ice cream. It's not just two scoops of ice cream. It's at least three scoops of ice cream, which my children know, you ain't never getting three scoops of ice cream on a regular day, right? This is vacation. We're experiencing the goodness of God. And then they put all kinds of goodies on top of it. And then they serve it to you in a boat, which is basically like vacation. It is amazing. I want to be honest with you. Sometimes when we approach God, some of us, we approach God only expecting scraps. But these verses tell you that even your personal transformation Jesus has so much more in store for it than you could ever imagine. He's slinging banana splits down the bar to you. And he's saying, I know you just want this, but let me tell you about something you don't know. Let me tell you about all the extra stuff I've got in store. Let me just throw it all in your boat, all of it. That is the picture when we approach God with our burdens and we we respond to his word in faith. He gives us all the extras too. For me, that's the picture of the joy of life with God. You know, it's almost like you get giddy when you see somebody starting to get burdened and you know God's speaking to them and they're willing to just step their little feet out in faith a little bit and hear what God has to say about their situation. You just get a little excited because you know what's going to happen. You know God's going to come through. And you know when you do it, you want to hear about it. And you start going, hey, 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 I'm going to need you to pay very special attention to the time that God comes through for you. Because he's going to come through, maybe not in the way that you think, but he's going to come through. And I just want you to just write that down. Because maybe I'm praying at that very moment that God is doing your miracle, and I want to know. Listen, y'all can be all cool and feel like, you know, you got it all covered on your own, and you don't need these little stories of God transforming people's lives every day, but I do. My faith grows when I hear somebody testify to how God has transformed them. When you start singing and you know somebody's story and that the words that they're singing are a picture of faith because God hadn't come through yet, but they're waiting on him, and they're singing words in faith and trust, words that may not be true by sight yet, but they are clinging to God and saying, God, I want to believe this is true. God, help me believe this is true, and I'm singing like it's true right now. I want all those moments. I want them sprinkled all over my banana split because I need it. 
My faith needs it. As we close, I want to share a story of what I feel like is trust, the type of trust that Jesus is interested in. Now, I showed this picture to you earlier. In 1859, there was a man named Charles Blondin. He was a tightrope walker, and he walked 160 feet above Niagara Falls several times back and forth between Canada and the United States. Huge crowds would gather to watch him as he walked across this tightrope. They would look on with shock and awe. I'm sure some of them were excited and amazed, and some of them might have been hoping for a defeat. One time he crossed in a potato sack. One time he crossed on stilts. One time he did it on a bicycle. One time he even carried a stove and made an omelet. The crowd is going insane. On July 15th, Blondin walked backwards across the tightrope from Canada back to the United States, pulling a wheelbarrow blindfolded. He looked at the crowd. They were so impressed with his amazing skills, he wanted to kind of jazz them up a little bit. And so he asked them, do you believe that I can walk across this tightrope while pushing a wheelbarrow blindfolded? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. This is amazing. We just saw that. This is crazy. You are so gifted. You are so skilled. You're doing things we've never seen before. He looks at the crowd and he says, do you think I can walk across this tightrope while pushing a wheelbarrow blindfolded with a person inside of it? And they're like, absolutely, we've seen you make an omelet on a tightrope. You can do anything. So he asked the crowd, who will get in the wheelbarrow? (laughs) I think Christ is asking the same of you today. He shared his word with you. He's given his response are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? I don't have to spend time telling you all the examples of what Christ may be saying to you. It could be a number of things, but you know if he's spoken. And he is asking you to get in the wheelbarrow. Not just be a part of the crowd who's excited that he does amazing things. He's saying, do you really trust me? Do you really trust me? As our care volunteers come down front today, is there a burden or struggle that you are facing that you want Christ to respond to? As you approach Christ, will you take him at his word? Not only that, but are you willing to believe what he says before you experience breakthrough? And are you willing to share with all of us when God transforms you all of the blessings beyond your miracle? The Scriptures say it very plainly. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That offer is for you. But you must get in the wheelbarrow, not just sit on the side. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and I'm thankful that you don't just give us breadcrumbs. 
you can do more than we ask or imagine, but you are most concerned that we take you at your word. So, Lord, help us as we look at our own life, as we struggle with doubts and pain, as we are experiencing relationship breakdown or a struggle to surrender our finances or our future to you. I pray, Lord, that people would come face to face with what you ask, which is, are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow with me? I pray that if there's anyone today who wants to express their need to Christ, that they would come down front and pray with someone. If there's anyone who wants to surrender their life to you, may today be the day. Help us as the church, as the children of God, to share the comfort and transformation that you've given to us with others. It's in the name of Christ we pray these things and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We hope that the message has stirred something within you and you're inspired on your journey of faith. Before we close, we extend a heartfelt thank you to the Brookwood production team. Their dedication and hard work behind the scenes not only make this podcast possible, but also the Sunday morning services and multi-ministry events throughout the week. If you're interested in serving and being a part of this incredible team, there are volunteer opportunities available across various ministries here at Brookwood. Go to the website, brookwoodchurch.org, and you'll see more about our ministry spotlight this week. As we continue our series, Jesus at the Center of Transformation, don't forget to engage with a daily devotional companion on the Brookwood Church app. Let these devotions guide your daily walk with God and share them with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we deeply appreciate your presence today. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, may the blessings of God be upon you abundantly. Have a great week.